Nothing like being rushed. <laughs> Had just enough time to be able to turn around and go home, get my computer, which I somehow didn't notice that it was about three or four pounds lighter in my bag, and uh, bring it back here and get it all fired up and literally just put my coat on and stepped up the, stepped up front here. So it's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight and and um, to be able to open up his word and and we're going to get through the last part of lesson 10 tonight and uh, lord willing next week we'll just do a, a brief survey of what lesson 10 was all about because we tend to go a little bit off on a few trails here and there but just to try to summarize what lesson 10 is all about we'll do we'll handle that next week so if you would colossians chapter 3 verse verses 16 and 17 we'll look at let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. In verse 17, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so very much that in these days we have the privilege be able to gather together to look at, into your word these days, Lord, uh, where churches are being fined for just meeting, simply coming to church and gathering as you've assembled. Lord, we thank you that we still have not suffered anything in that regard here and that we're able to gather freely, gather together freely. And Lord, we thank you for our study here in Colossians. I just pray that you'd fill me with your spirit. Help us in uh, learning to grow closer to you as we dig more into your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe seated. So I think I printed out a bunch of case um, or lesson ten case studies that we'll probably just go through next week. Um, but make sure before you leave, they're up front here. Pick one up, please. So we are on the last bullet item on the list here, uh, part two, C. Uh, which says, extol the Lord, and we're focusing on verse 17 tonight. So an example of verse 17 in action, so, and whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks unto God and the, and the Father by him. What, what I'd like to point out is that we can make some applications directly to this verse, but I want to jump into an example of where we see this in action in the Bible. And, and, and what we see here is whatsoever ye do in word or deed. So what you do, do it all for the Lord. And give thanks to him, the general idea behind this. But verse 17, um, in action, just looking through things and considering scripture. Second Chronicles, if you would, turn over to Second Chronicles chapter 29. And we will be summarizing 29, 30, and 31 as we look at King Hezekiah. So it was kind of interesting. We, we uh, had gathered together over at Pastor's house for Labor Day, and we were playing a word game, which I am terrible at. I think I ended up in last place, which is okay with me. That's fine by me. I understand. There are things that I do well. There are things that I don't do well, and that's, that's one of them, and that's fine by me. But uh, one of the words, and you're not allowed to use proper nouns or names, anything like this, was Ahaz. I had in, in my, my letters of list of things here. I'm like, ah, that's kind of interesting. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about Ahaz tonight as a prelude to King Hezekiah. So after wicked King Ahaz had led 
the turning of Israel away from God, Judah specifically, to worship idols and false gods and shut up the doors of the temple. And after his death, his son, King Hezekiah, or his, his son Hezekiah became king. So often we see in the kings uh, post-David, I mean, David had his own struggles and, and his own victories as well. Uh, through the Lord, a man after God's own heart. But we see a lot of the kings, there's a cyclic behavior of Israel's doing right, they're seeking the Lord, they have a king that is following after God, and then things fall apart. We think we're a little too high and mighty that we will, we can we can do without God. And and uh, if you think there are, there are some parallels to our nation here, we have our ups and downs in America. Uh, that's not really the focus here tonight. So 2 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 2. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father had done. Speaking of Hezekiah. And there's usually a summary when you're looking at in, in Kings and Chronicles of each of the kings. How was their reign generally known? And at least for the, the first part of King Hezekiah's reign, it was known by the, the good things that he did. There was a period when he got sick and he pled with the Lord for extra time. The Lord gave it to him, and in that time, things fell apart. He did, he did some not-so-wise things at that time, and at that time, Manasseh was born, who was also another wicked king. We go from wicked king to good king to another wicked king after that. And uh, this cycle just seems to continue. So, so what is, what is uh, Hezekiah doing here? What are his motivations? So he brings the priests and the Levites together to sanctify themselves and begin cleansing, cleaning out the filth that Ahaz had brought into Judah. So he's like, okay, I've, well, we can, we can, uh, we can, we can surmise that, that Hezekiah isn't, isn't doing these things on his own volition. He would have prompting of someone, a teacher, someone who was guiding him in his youth, because his father certainly wouldn't guide him in the right path to go. That, that there is scripture there that you need to follow after, and he's seeing this, okay, it's my time. I understand right from wrong, and this, I know that God wants me to do right, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to take the time, and we're going to change things for the better. We're going to do what God has commanded us to do. So he's, he's saying, okay, now's the time. So Ahaz forced God out and brought other gods, thinking that this was a better way to go. So prior to this, it's like, ah, eh, well... Let's look, uh, just look back a couple verses in chapter 28, for he, uh, verse 23. For he, and we're speaking about Ahaz here, sacrificed unto the gods of Damascus. Now, why would he do that? Which smote him. Okay, so you're going to, you're going to sacrifice and worship the gods of your enemy because they beat you up. They killed a lot of your men. Because the gods of the king of Syria helped them. Well, maybe... Maybe in, in my earthly, sec, or earthly human wisdom here, well, somebody else beats me up. Maybe I should, maybe I should follow after what they're doing because that's the right thing to do. Well, is it? No, certainly not. I mean, if you, if you go out racing sometime and you get beat by a Ford, should you go buy a Ford? I don't know. If you get beat by a Chevy, should you go buy a Chevy? The answer is a supercharged Hellcat motor out of a Dodge Charger. I think that's the answer right there. About 800 horsepower. Roll, rolls pretty well. Um, anyways, uh, not to get too far off track here, but he's, he's, he decides to make a conscious decision to go after the gods of Damascus. 
and uh, therefore I will I will sacrifice to them that they may help me but they were the ruin of him and of all Israel so he's looking for an answer outside of God and our world today our country today looks for an answer outside of God and, and you're not going to find the answer to the world's problems right now you're going to find only the only answer that what this world needs is Jesus I got a friend who's traveling around the country today, he, or he left yesterday, I think, from North Carolina. Right on the side of his, his uh, Toyota SUV is a little, I would guess it would have to be a magnetic sticker on there. And, and if anybody's ever seen it, it, it just says Jesus 2020, the campaign slogan out there. Of, we're, we're pushing Jesus this year. That's what this world needs. Um, politics, what does it matter? Uh, the world needs Jesus, and, and Jesus will be the, the solution to all the world's problems that we have. One day he's going to come and make it all right. He's going to come down here and rule with a, with a rod of iron, and he's going to do justice, and it'll be righteous. So not following the Lord brings destruction, is what we can see from the example of Ahaz. Ahaz thought the gods of Damascus were the reason he lost in battle. But no, that's not the reason. Because you were going after something or someone else other than God is the reason why you lost your battle here. It was judgment from God on Israel and Judah, specifically Judah this time. So he was so wicked that when he died, right, he's a king of Judah. You'd think he would be buried with all the rest of them, but no. They said, nope, you're going to be buried in Jerusalem, but not with the rest of the kings. You're, you're a little bit too much for us. So then comes the reign of Ahaz's son, Hezekiah. And you would think, the, as the phrase goes, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Thankfully, in this case, it had. We have Hezekiah, who was a, who was a man um, who did right in the sight of the Lord, who worked to undo the evil that his father had done right from the beginning. This isn't a something where we're just going to ease into it and we're going to... Uh, we'll take our own time. We'll make sure we, we dot our I's and cross our T's as far as we got the right things to wear and the right places to be. It was, he, was, he, was getting on, he was on the get-go from, from the beginning here. And we see in Second Chronicles chapter 29, verses 3 through 5, he, in the first year of his reign, in the first month, and that would be Nisan, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them because Ahaz had shut them. And it had all come just gone into disrepair verse 4 and he brought in the priests and the levites and gathered them together into the east street and said unto them hear me ye levites sanctify now yourselves and sanctify the house of the lord god of your fathers and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place so what we're seeing here is a revival we're seeing a revival start with judah and in this case it's starting from the top and we have the king whose heart is toward God, seeking to do right by God, is now commanding Israel to do this. Now, whether Israel's heart has changed toward God yet or not remains to be seen. They're loyal to their king, not necessarily to the, the king of kings at this point. But in verse 10, Now it is in mine heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel, that his fiery wrath may turn away from us. Hezekiah gets it. He understands why Judah's under judgment, why Israel has been under judgment for, for many, many years. And he understands that the reason is is because we've walked away from God. 
God hasn't left us. God, we've walked away from God. We've left God right where, where we left him. He's right there. And if Israel would turn to God, which is what he recognized, God would begin those temporal blessings and, and all the rest that he had promised to the nation of Israel. So in our country, if you think about it, though, revival does not start at the top. Think about this, right? There are some that may think, if we only elected a Baptist preacher as a president, then our country would turn to the Lord again. Right? I think there was a Baptist preacher that ran a few years ago for the presidency, but that's not what we need as a country. I mean, would it be nice? Maybe? I don't know. But is that what we need? The revival in this country doesn't start at the top. It's something that can't be dictated and legislated from the top. You can't tell people, this is what we're going to do. We're going to be a Christian nation, and I declare that to be true. No. This country will be a Christian nation when the citizens of itself get saved. They choose Christ themselves and live a Christian life out. And that outliving and outworking of their, of their Christian life will turn this into a bottom-up Christian nation. And, um, but you know, revival starts with you, and it starts with me. It's, it starts with the individual, the smallest, smallest quantity of a group is you and me and that's where revival starts and if 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 this country is to see anything different than the wickedness that we have now uh, we need to be praying most certainly we need to be in our bibles we need to be gathering together telling others about jesus when people get saved and they have a changed life um, when they get saved that changed life will come forth that'll be the, that'll be evidence of that that the good works that would come out of us are evidence of our salvation i was just speaking to uh an old manager friend of mine call him more of a friend now i used to work with him and for him in the past and spoken to him a few times in these last days and and uh he's known he knew me before i was saved i i kept telling him you know well yeah that's how things were back then but let me tell you i got some things changed just before i left there i became a christian and my life changed around. And uh, yeah, you wouldn't, really, you wouldn't really understand and know who I am if you've only focused on who I was. And I, I'm thankful for that because that's the Lord who's changed me from the inside out. Still working on me. I'm not perfect by any means. And uh, I'm glad that he hasn't, uh, hasn't given up. Right? He'll never leave us nor forsake us. So our country needs revival. And Hezekiah was, was driving that from the top down that we see at this time. Verse 17. Now they began at the first day of the first month to sanctify on the eighth day. And on the eighth day of the month came they to the porch of the Lord. So they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days. And in the sixteenth day of the first month they made an end. So this is interesting, right? We, if you know anything about your Bible, you know what the month of Nisan is, right? That's the first month of the Jewish calendar. And there's a very important date in there that, we, that they mark, the 14th of Nisan. So now think about that. We're on the 16th of Nisan here at the end of verse 17. We've missed a special date by two days, the Passover. Right? The Jewish world, the Jewish community, the, reli- the religious Jews mark the Passover as the, their great religious holiday of marking when God had taken them out of the, uh, out of the land of Egypt. Uh, well, prior to that, but had passed over the houses. The judgment didn't fall onto those who had applied the blood to their doorposts. 
and they marked this as a great miracle that God had worked in Israel. But they've missed it, right? They couldn't get the job done in, in less than two weeks to sanctify the temple and sanctify the priests. But after this, Hezekiah restores the Passover feast. But because they finished sanctifying the temple a little bit too late, they missed the proper date for the Passover being the 14th of Nisan. Now, what do they do? Well, Hezekiah called all of Judah and Israel to come and observe the Passover in the second month. The whole reason being that it had not been observed in so long that he didn't want to wait a whole year in order to observe the Passover. They had gone on long enough without a God-focused worship. He wanted to make sure that the people got back focused on God. And uh, this was his way of going about doing it. Now, it wasn't the, um, the prescribed time, so maybe there would be the legalists among them that would say this is not right in, in observing the Passover. But I think his intent in, in observing the Passover at this time was the right thing to be doing. We've been away from God so long. Let's make sure we gather together and do what we know we're supposed to do for the Lord. Now, you could think of that today in a modern parallel, and the, the way we find ourselves in 2020 today is, we'll wait, we'll wait to uh, come to church until COVID is over, right? It's, when it's not a factor anymore, then we'll come back. We'll go back to church then. Is that honoring God? in following what he's commanded us to do as far as gathering together. If we were to wait until COVID is over or have some other excuse, oh, I have to go bury my dead relative or I have to go, I've just uh, married a wife and I need to, I mean, there have been a myriad of excuses of why we shouldn't follow after the Lord and, and especially to do his commandments too. There have been a myriad of excuses and the world has those today. Well, I have to work. I have to make money. No, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I think if you honor God and you do what he's commanded you to do and you do what you know is right in the, in the Lord, uh, he will honor you and provide for you. There's not a necessity to work on a Sunday or to work on any day. If you have the physical ability to be in church, you should be here. You should be in church. You should grow together. Uh, we edify each other. If we don't gather together, like I said last, last time, that, that we don't have that, that fellowship and communion, I don't, I don't get feedback from you guys when I'm up here, you don't get feedback to whoever else is teaching, and you sit in front of a TV screen. I mean, if you got the physical ailment, ailments and there, there's, just, there's something that's precluding you from coming, that's an, that's an excellent way to join. But if you have the ability, you should be here. So when is it time to follow the Lord and when is it a time to obey him? When is the time of salvation? So 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. It's salvation, that, that, that inward dwelling in the Holy Spirit after you, after you believe on Jesus Christ and for the forgiveness of your sin, after you've repented of the wrong that you've done and you've turned to God and turned to Christ. When is that effective it's effective and it's necessary the moment that you hear about it and in my personal salvation testimony i mean i was a kid who went to church my parents went to a baptist church of all places when we lived in south carolina and um but going with your parents doesn't make you saved going to a church and sitting there for a long time doesn't make you saved it's a personal decision i bet i heard the gospel a hundred times in one ear and out the other ear. 
in my lifetime. And then going to other churches where the gospel was essentially never preached at all. But the gospel being the the perfect life that Christ had lived, he took the sin upon himself, upon the tree, died and shed his blood and rose again, and offers that free gift of salvation to the world. He's paid for everybody's sins. All he just says to do is just to believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And that's the simple thing in the gospel. That's what this world needs right now. And and Hezekiah in his in his desire to seek after God and do what he knew was right at that time. Of course, it wasn't known when Christ would come. They're looking forward to the cross at this time in, uh, in history. But he's doing what he knows to be right as best as he can here. So Hezekiah has the idols, groves, and other things and wickedness destroyed and institutes further religious reforms. Verse, chapter 31, verse 2. And Hezekiah appointed the courses of the priests and the Levites after their courses, after man according to his service, the priests and the Levites, for burnt offerings and for peace offerings, to minister and to give thanks and to praise in the gates of the tents of the Lord. There's a lot of list of things here that he's appointed people to do. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of good righteous things that are to be done here that he's, that he's appointed the priests and Levites to do. And one of the things that I want to point out there is specifically toward the end, and to give thanks, and to praise, and to give thanks. Right, that's a, that's a, a fundamental importance of the Christian life, is to give thanks for all that you have. If you think about it, I mean, every breath that we have, I think having clean air is much appreciated. The remembrance of clean air is, is, is much appreciated to us these days with all the smoke from the wildfires that we have. But giving thanks for every little thing, giving thanks for... Uh, the food that we eat, the, the shelter that we have, the clothing that we have, the provisions that we have, the work that we have, all of these things are a gift from God. And we need to be thankful for them. And I think oftentimes we can get, when I say we, just understand there's lots of fingers pointing back at me. We can get very much self-centered and think uh, think only of ourselves. Uh, that was That was part of my discussion with my old manager was that, you know, I was quite the selfish guy back then and that's a hard uh, selfish and prideful guy that that would describe me prior uh, prior to my salvation those tendencies are still there they don't go away i mean they can they can rear their heads up you know how you suppress those is is you you rely on the lord you trust in him to work work in you and through you and 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 trusting in him and when you get away from that Sin wants to it, uh, just uh, pop its head right back up again. And that, that pride and that sinfulness and selfishness is just there waiting to come back. But just staying in the Lord, staying in his word, uh, it's fundamental. You, ne- you need it. That's what we all need. So to give thanks to the word and service to the Lord, we have verse 17 back in Colossians. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, so don't flip totally back there yet. Uh, but and whatsoever you do in word and deed, and if we look here, this list of things back in in Second Chronicles that he's appointed people to do these these works that he's had them do, uh, burnt offerings and peace offerings to minister, to give thanks, to praise in the gates of the tents of the Lord. These are things. These are deeds that 
that they were at least commanded by their king to do, but we have deeds and works that we can do in our lives today. And if we jump ahead, maybe. Maybe not. There's a point that I want to bring back that that, um, I'll get to in a minute. So the key point being here, that there are things that God has given each of us to do. So think of our, in, our, in our lives. We are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. To be ministers of the gospel and looking for opportunities to witness to the lost, right? If our whole purpose in getting saved was that now we're gone, we're out of this world, we're in heaven, God would have done that. But that's not his purpose, right? He's, he's, he's has the body of Christ, the church that's left, so that we can minister to others and tell others to be saved. Imagine that. If every Christian, when they got saved, immediately got yanked out of here, how would the gospel message propagate? And God is, God is using the foolishness of preaching to save them that are lost. And that's the way his gospel goes forth, is by one-on-one interaction, someone telling someone else, and I would imagine that everyone here at some point in their life had somebody confront them with a gospel message. And I will tell you, like I said earlier, I must have heard it hundreds of times at least in my life as a kid. But I didn't really truly listen to it until that time when I was ready. Then I heard it, and then I believed. And I think, I don't know if anybody else has that sort of circumstance in their life, but you hear it, but it doesn't sink in. And then at one point it does, and that's the point that really makes that's the point that makes all the difference. So we see here um, that we are to love and serve one another, right? We're left here to fellowship together, to meet each other's needs when we can, to seek out others that need that need some help to be able to help them. I think there are going to be some opportunities. I think that I hear that Lindsay is taking some time to help organize um, some, some, some of the things over the fairground for people that are hurting right now, losing their homes, losing, losing things. Some have lost lives. Uh, to be able to help in that, that aspect of it. But to help each other on daily, daily tasks. Um, just think about it here. I think every one of us here has been helped by or helped others. And it's, it's a great thing to be able to come together to bear each other's burdens, to meet each other's needs. And, and, and that's, that's the purpose of, of gathering together as a church. It's one of them, one of the purposes of gathering together. And, and to be diligent in both our work for the Lord and for this, in this world, too. Right? We're, what God has given us to do for work, don't be slack in that, most certainly. But don't also be slack in in what God has given you to do for your work that provides for your needs as well. God has given you the position, the work for you to do, to be an example and a testimony to others around you. Right? There are lost people that we all work with, and to do a good job, and to uh, to have that opportunity to be able to witness. You don't want to have a bad testimony and try to witness to somebody like, oh, why would I want to be a Christian? I, you, what what's what's what do you have differently than I do, right now? Uh, so, our testimony an important thing. And we see also here, I believe we'll be finishing up. 
Yeah, last verses in Second uh, Chronicles. Chapter 31 at the very end, verses 20 and 21. And thus did Hezekiah throughout all Judah and wrought that which was good and right and true before the Lord his God. And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God and in the law and in the commandments to seek his God, he did it with all his heart and prospered. So here Hezekiah is seeking to do what he knows is right, what is good and right and truth before the Lord is God. To seek, his, to seek his God, he did it with all his heart and prospered. So Hezekiah was all in on this, right? He had seen the wickedness of his father Ahaz. He had seen the decay of Israel. He had seen what had come of that. And he knew the answer was that we need to turn back to God. And he, at this point, had that opportunity and the, that authority to make that happen. And here he was doing that, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, he didn't know about the name Jesus, but he knew about the one true God at this point. And he, he, that's what he did. That's what he sought to do at this time in his life. So we see an Old Testament example of what Paul is writing about here in, in uh, Colossians 3:16 and 17 with the life of Hezekiah, the early part of Hezekiah's reign. We see some examples of the words and deeds that we can that we can do, or that are being done here specifically in the passage of Colossians. So if we focus on the immediate context, right? So verse 17 and says, "And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, well, what is the immediate context here specifically? Well, what, what is Paul calling out in just the, the verse before it? teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, teaching and admonishing one another. He's speaking specifically of that, whatsoever you do in word or deed, looking to these things here, do it for the Lord Jesus. Teach others about him, but for the Lord Jesus. Admonish others, correcting others at times, for the Lord Jesus. That's the point of this. So verse 17 in the immediate context was referring to those deeds, words and deeds back in verse 16, but the application can be made in our daily lives further. So we have the immediate context and what the Bible is saying in that specific region, but then we can extend it as a general principle. So in letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly, as verse 16 says, our thoughts and actions will be focused toward God and not toward ourselves. Right, if, we, if, the, if the word of God is within us, thoroughly through us, it's on our mind, it's on the tip of our tongue. It's what we think about when we go to bed on, and lay our head on the pillow. It's what we think about in our dreams when we wake up in the middle of the night like I do. Um, it's if we, and you can't sleep. Uh, or, and when you wake up in the morning and get up for the day, first thing on your mind is passage of scripture, maybe a hymn or a song. These things are wonderful. Even, even though Hezekiah had a wicked father, he must have had a godly mother or a teacher that instructed him in righteousness. Soon after becoming king, he, became, or he began to make changes to move Judah and Israel back to, to worshiping the one true God alone because he was instructed in these things. He knew what was right, and he was going to move. He was going to work to move the heart of Israel back toward God. So application can be made in our daily conversation, whether they be verbal or written conversation. 
make those things edifying, right? Write of things that are edifying to others if you're on social media, Facebook, or whatever else. Make them edifying, not tearing people down. It's, a, it's an easy thing to do, and uh, it's, it's a, should I say, the, these days the typed or the thumb-pressed word is uh, it's very harsh. Um, it's a struggle that I've had, at least in dealing with email communications from people from work. You really can't get the intonation, the inflection, the, the, the nonverbal cues that you get when you actually talk to somebody face-to-face. You can read an email, and depending on the state of your mind and what your attitude is at the moment, you can either think, wow, that was awesome, or wow, that guy's really angry at something, or that offended me greatly, or, but it may have no meaning. There may be no intended meaning like that. It's just, the written word is pretty, um, um, what's obscured, the meanings that can be conveyed by it. The spoken word. To be able to get up here and talk tonight, you can see me. You can see the inflection of my voice, my mannerisms, as quirky as they are. Um, that that conveys the emotion and and the the uh, as part of the communication too. Just I mean, just a small smile or just a sideways eye look or any of these things are, are cues, right? In our verbal communication in our written communication, that we be not slanderous or libelous. So don't say negative, mean things just to, just because you can win, right? Winning, <laughs> winning isn't everything, right? Bringing honor to God is much more important than that. Be willing to lose the argument. Now, stand up for truth. Don't stand, don't stand there and, and, and let, uh, let the Lord be walked over. Don't let scripture be walked over. Don't stand up for or, or don't take a stand for poor language choices um, for others that are, are, are taking the Lord's name in vain. Things like this, things that are against God, take a stand for that most certainly, but do it, you know, in a measured way. Don't, don't, don't lower yourself to the, to the mud wrestling, mudslinging aspect of, of our slanderous and libelous uh, nation that we have and also um, so moving on from that but an application made to our daily lives in our daily work school our chores what we do uh, throughout our day I think most everybody here has something to do even the children have something to do during the day now you guys have school do you like school you don't know I think it's fun to see them learn they, they come to you when they find something new and Hey, did you did you know about this? That's kind of it's kind of nice and and really cool to see children learning things and and learning things from the Word of God too. Um, but in our our daily our daily work, whatever it may be, do do that all for the Lord, right? That's that's something that may not be recognized or rewarded in this lifetime. But if it's done for the Lord, there's a reward for it in heaven. So we work that we may have to give to others and to provide for our families is the work that we have, right? That Never lose sight of that. And we have so much to be thankful for. Verse 15, I believe, is the key verse of this uh, lesson 10. 
Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Right? Be ye thankful. We have a song in our hymn book, Count Your Many Blessings, Count Your Blessings. And just, just the chorus of it is, Count Your Many Blessings, Name Them One by One. And if you think about that, maybe take that as something to do for the remainder of the week, is when you have a quiet moment and uh, you want to think about how good the Lord, is, Lord has been to you. Start counting the blessings that he's given to you. And the negative things, the, the disappointments will melt away. It's wonderful to be able to have that, to be able to count the blessings and see what the Lord has done in your life. So Colossians three sixteen and 17, and we do this by letting the word dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And then we have the opportunity to teach and admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So important and so vital to church and in your hearts to have a song in your heart for the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Vitally important things to do. Give thanks. A thankful spirit isn't going to be focused on self. You're going to recognize that there's so much out there that you don't have control over, that God has done for you that you don't deserve, your salvation being the preeminent one. We don't deserve our salvation. We deserve to be in hell, to go to the lake of fire. But God is loving and gracious enough, merciful, and that he gave us his son, Jesus. And if you've trusted on his son, you got it. You got eternal life, guaranteed, 100%. And if you don't, you need it. And that's, uh, that's a fact. And when you, ha- when you have Jesus, you can truly understand what Thanksgiving is. Well, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our meeting here tonight, Lord, to be able to look into your word, to look at the example of King Hezekiah's life here in the early part of it, and, and him seeking to do your will, to the works to bring honor to you, uh, to glorify you and Lord the deeds that we can do the words that we say in teaching and admonishing one another uh, that we grow closer to you through that uh, and, and also just remembering to be ever thankful for all you've done for us for how you've saved us you're sanctifying us and Lord one day you'll come and, and take us to heaven again Lord we look forward to that pray that you would Keep us safe and watch over us in these times. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.